heart, soul, mind, and strength. These are the four dimensions of human health. This is where growth happens, and it's addicting. Welcome to the Growth Junkies Podcast. Well, welcome to the Growth Junkies Podcast. My name is Ben Bost, and I'm joined here by Kent Delhusay, my lovely and beautiful co-host. <laughs> lovely and beautiful, Ben. <laughs> yes. I, hey, here's the thing. We're going to jump right into it today because we are dealing with this topic, uh, one that I think will be near and dear to everyone's hearts, uh, because I think it's something that we all long for and value, and it's the topic of happiness. Uh, this is something I've, I've thought at great length about. I've studied for a long time. I've had, uh, I would go on saying thousands of conversations with people about this subject, and yet I'm always amazed at what is available to us when we approach it. Uh, we were talking before we went on the air of like, it's just such a critical discussion, happiness is, partly because it's just what we long for. I think it's embedded in the human soul that we that we want it, that we seek it. And yet it's a struggle for people to find it. It's like this elusive thing that we all want but can't find. Mm-hmm. I've often described it as chasing a phantom is, is kind of the way, you know, it's, we're looking for this thing that we wonder if it exists. We see uh, glimmers and moments where we might experience it, but, but what is it really and how do we find it? And, and for a growth junkie, this is a, a really valuable topic. Uh, you have to decide and deal with inside yourself if this is something that you find is necessary and valuable for life. You know, like I, I mentioned, and even in a previous podcast, that I've asked folks the question, "What is the goal of life?" for a long time, and predominantly, almost a hundred percent of the time, I get "be happy," and upwards, at least of eighty-five percent, people come straight out and say that. And so, from there, we go straight to the question: Okay, then what is that? If you're going to say the goal of life is to be happy, then what are we actually talking about? Yeah. Yeah. See, that's the funny thing. I mean, I, I, I've never met anybody who doesn't want to be happy. Like you imagine, Hey, Hey, what do you want out of life? Oh, I want to not be happy. <laughs> I want to be miserable. You know, maybe a couple philosophers out there, you know, it's possible there are a few, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know, who are just so cynical about everything. They just didn't want to be happy. But I, yeah, yeah, any given day, people can be grumpy, but down, down deep, I don't know anybody who doesn't want to be happy. But here's the thing you said, it's like chasing a phantom. You know, so I, like I think of Scooby-Doo. I don't know why when you say it's a Scooby-Doo episode, yeah. but, but they always they always catch the phantom and the That's phantom true. takes the mask off. the mask off. Yes. And it's the store owner from down the street. That's right. So in Scooby-Doo, you catch the phantom. So today, you know, I think we need to catch the phantom. I, that's what we're trying to do here is that yeah. we're not going to answer the, all the questions. We're just going to scratch the surface. But you know, we don't want to waste your time, growth junkies. And so we don't want to waste our time, <laughs> you know, so we're, we we yeah. want to catch, you know, the phantom and take the mask off and say, okay, so this is what happiness is because you're right, Ben, people say, I want to be happy. But the next question is, well, what is happiness? I'll bet if you ask people that follow-up question, they're going to say, I don't know, like 2.2 kids and a car and a house, right? So the times when I've asked that question, which has been a lot, I get a blank look for about a few seconds and then they either go, well, it's different for every person, isn't it? Mm-hmm. There's this kind of inquiry that, well, it's, it's just different. It's like everyone's defining it however they want for themselves. And I always ask the same thing. I say, is it, mm-hmm. is it actually different for every person? Cause I feel honestly, I think most people are going to give the same answers. 
you know, it's, it's going to be in the same sort of categories of life. Like I, I, I want to, you know, have good money, you know, I want to do well, something financial. I want to be successful. You know, I think that's true of everybody. Mm. No one doesn't want to be successful. Mm. You know, I want to have a degree of notoriety or fame, mm. you know, at what I do. Right. I want to be recognized. That's true of everybody. And I feel like you may get different answers and variations, different colors, if you will, of those, mm. but they'll still be the same categories. Well, what if your notoriety and recognition comes on the heels of someone else's devaluing? Okay, right? what do you now, mean by now, that? Well, so, so then maybe you've achieved your happiness. Mm-hmm. but you've made other people's lives miserable in the process. Because mm. here's, here's the thing. When, when we say, and yeah. everyone's heard this statement, hey, whatever makes you happy makes you happy. Whatever makes me happy makes me happy. There's this line in the sand we draw that we think, well, we'll self-define this. We're going to do it on our own, and everyone's is different. Mm-hmm. Well, what I just illustrated right there is if there's a line in the sand that we should say, because we've also heard this too, we do whatever makes you happy as long as it doesn't hurt somebody else. Well, the moment you say as long as you begin setting limits, mm-hmm. you begin making rules to how happiness can be achieved and what it is. And the moment that we begin to do that, we go, okay, there's obviously a frame to this. There's things that we can do and not do. I often ask people, I say, was there anything in, in having them process this out loud? Is there anything that you would tell me I should never do in effort to make myself happy? And they go, well, Yeah. And then they start to list stuff off. It's like, you probably don't want to murder anybody. You probably don't want to, you know, maybe become an alcoholic or a drug addict or whatever. I mean, all these different things. They go down this entire list or be completely self-consumed and chasing ambition or whatever. We could, we know what can be on that list if we were to sit and talk about it. Well, then you go, okay, well, who makes the rules then? Like if we're going to start setting limits and saying there's things you should do and not do, mm-hmm. then someone's got to be making the rules somewhere. It's like, who is it? I know. Cheryl Crow. <laughs> if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. Well, or Pharrell Williams. Okay. Right. The song right. Happy, you know, you know, which blew up the charts around the world when it right. came out. Right. And if you listen to the lyrics of the song, mm-hmm. it's very relative, like we're talking about. It's mm-hmm. like... Whatever you want your truth to be or whatever makes you happy. Yep. The thing is, this doesn't work. It actually doesn't work in life. Well, it doesn't. And here's the thing. Um, Somebody's making the rules. And I would say that we just mentioned two of them. The culture influencers. Yeah. Who else makes the rules? Yeah. It's kind of the people. It's it's whatever the music you're listening to. You know, whatever that star says is what I believe. And so... (laughs) That that's kind of how it is, and so I feel like you know that statement. You know, if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. Um, is you begin with the wrong place, right? You start with what makes me happy, then it can't be that bad. But what if you start with the other and say, well, what's good? Yeah, and does that make me happy? And does it have any relationship, right, to this Absolutely. thing that I'm that I'm looking for? Mm-hmm. There's this interesting quote by Blaise Pascal. He says, "All all men seek happiness. This is without exception." Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. The cause of some going to war and others avoiding it is the same desire in both attended with different views. The will never takes the least step but to this object. This is the motive of every action of every man or woman, even those who hang themselves. Like the end goal that we're all seeking and longing for is to be happy. Mm-hmm. And this was the primary conversation of the ancient philosophers, Socrates, Plato, Aristotle. Rumor on the street, Epicurus, who's actually mentioned in the Bible, um, was considered the philosopher of happiness, but he was a miserable man. 
<laughs> that's the rumor on the street, at least. You mm-hmm. know, I, I don't know if that's true or not. But when you go back into the ancient world and this discussion about the good life, I mean, how do we find it? That was the primary. You can consolidate a lot of the discussion of the ancient world around that singular question. Like, how do we find the good life? Mm-hmm. And they were processing this. And they realized, like, the difference and the big difference would be culturally today, we think happiness is found in pleasure. Right. That it's circumstantially based. Mm-hmm. That it's momentary and fleeting. And we're chasing it. Yep. Doing everything we can to try to find it. See, that's I think that's the problem. You know, circumstantial and fleeting. Yeah. Is that you can get it for a moment, then it's gone. Yeah. I mean, how is that fulfilling? If happiness is just that, if that really what happiness is, then you can achieve and lose happiness a thousand times every day. Well, it comes and goes based on the emotional buttons we're pushing or the next yeah. greatest meal we've had or the most beautiful Instagram photo we just took of some place that we are trying to, you know, have live in infamy in our life or whatever. But if you go back to the ancient world, there's, we can learn things from that world. Yeah. So happiness then can't happiness, the phantom you know, underneath the mask cannot be found in a circumstance or in something that's just fleeting, an emotion that passes an up or down experience, right? Yeah. I think what we're saying is you can't just relegate happiness to emotions and feelings only, Mm -hmm. right? And this is where we learn from the ancient world because pleasure was about sixth down on the list for ancient philosophers. Mm -hmm. Guys like Plato would sound like it's not good to just be a person of pleasure and not have have wisdom, character, and virtue like be a person of substance, right? If you're a person who's just simply chasing pleasure all the time, then then what's the point? You know, what kind of substantive person are you becoming? Mm-hmm. You know, so when we begin to ask the question, is happiness a good goal? We have to understand what we're actually talking about. That's right. And so let, let me just read something real quick out of our Four Dimensions of Human Health workbook. Um, this is what we wrote on, on 1.10. Uh, happiness is more than just an emotion, pleasurable high, or circumstance-based feel-good experience. It is a strong sense of stability developed by living life a specific way. Like the quote above so clearly illustrates, happiness is found in the way we live and structure our lives. The quote is, happiness is not a destination, it's a way of life. Yeah, it's an interesting perspective. And here's the thing, whether you're chasing emotion and looking for emotional highs by hitting whatever button you want to hit, you are orienting your life in such a way to achieve that end. Mm-hmm. Everyone is doing that. Right. Whether they're actually strategically building a life of happiness, a state of being in a specific way, or whether they would not recognize it as that. You know, a lot of people think, well, I'm just I'm chasing this thing, but they're actually orienting their life in, in, in such a way to try to achieve something. So it sounds like, Ben, you're saying that you can choose to be happy, <laughs> that you, you're not depending leading, on everybody else can can make you happy or make you unhappy because then you're putting your happiness in the hands of everybody else. But it seems like where you're leading us and I agree is that happiness is in our hands. It's really up to us. Well, it's certainly, I mean, it's a topic I've I've studied for a long time and read pretty much everything I could get my hands on about it because there was a time in my life where I was immensely unhappy. Mm-hmm. And the things in my life, like even as a follower of Jesus, right? Like some people would say that, you know, if you're a follower of Jesus, you should never struggle with depression or anxiety. Well, mm-hmm. we've obviously talked about that in past episodes, that that's just not the truth. Right. That life hits all of us in different and difficult ways. Mm-hmm. But when you get into the desires and the longing of the heart and how, you know, how you respond to life, sometimes you can find yourself in a really difficult place. 
you know, and I saw it as an opportunity to just begin exploring it and learning. And what I have by and large learned is that happiness, the way I say it now is happiness is formed and it's felt. It's not just an emotion and a feeling. It does have emotions tied to it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you will feel those and sometimes you don't. But by and large, it's something that we're executing and building and developing and cultivating, and it has emotions as a byproduct. Sometimes we have them, sometimes we don't. So emotions are the effect. Yeah, and this is where the breakdown a lot has come, I think, even in the church. I mean, mm-hmm. for those of growth junkies out there who might be regular church attenders, you may have heard a pastor preach a sermon, and the pastor say, God doesn't really care about your happiness. Mm-hmm. Like He wants you to have joy, or he wants you to be holy. And they go on to describe this type of lifestyle that includes maybe significant relationships or being in God's word or all these different things, right? And then that, that you have a life full of joy. Well, the funny thing about the word joy is it's actually the emotion of a state of happiness. Mm. We've got it wrong. By the way, that pastor was me. <laughs> you did that once? <laughs> I did. I did. I mean, I, 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 I'm guilty. Guilty as charged. I've repeated certain Christian, Christian cliches, you know, in the past. And one of them uh, early on was that one. You know, but the statement was, you know, God did not send the happy spirit. He sent us the Holy Spirit. <laughs> God doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to be holy. Uh, and then my natural question would be to myself after that would be like, hmm, interesting. So is the Holy Spirit not happy? Is it the unhappy Holy Spirit? Is holiness not happiness? So that's baloney, honestly. I feel like that's a cliche that needs to go away because it doesn't work. It doesn't. And so we make this gigantic distinction between joy and happiness. And yet it's so fascinating that even if you look at the Bible itself, the Bible doesn't distinguish between them. In fact, the word itself, the Greek word for happy is makarios, and the Greek word for joy is kara. They're the same word. Mm-hmm. They share the same root. Yeah, they have a relationship to they each have other. A, they, yeah, I mean, in fact, the word for joy, kara, means favor or a grace recognized. And the word for happy means to be benefited or blessed. That's the same thing. And so it's so funny is even like the way we translate the Bible today, um, we tend to translate the word makarios is blessed. Mm-hmm. Or if you're really high end, high, you know, high to, <laughs> highfalutin, blessed, <laughs> blessed. <laughs> You know, no one says that it's blessed. And so, yes. but we say blessed and blessed sounds more holy and blessed takes away the emotion. It feels like that's more about joy than it is about happiness. Mm. Not really. The word makarios can be translated as happy. Right. So all throughout scripture, in fact, anytime you see the word blessed, you could just insert the word happy. And if you do that, you're going to see there's a lot of scriptures that commend and command happiness. And one of the biggest offenders was Jesus. That's right. Right. Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those who peacemakers, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, who mourn. Those people are blessed. People who have the ability or possess the ability, I would say it this way, to enter life with others in relationships That's right. are the ones who find true happiness. And so you see what you just did too? You, you, you just said blessed. Yeah. Because we're so trained to say that. Well, What if you said happy? Happy are those, yes. you know, who mourn. And you say, well, how is that possible? How could you be happy? Well, Solomon talked about this in Ecclesiastes, that actually by wearing an unhappy face, you bring joy to the heart. So it's kind of like, it's, it, this is not a crazy concept, yeah. that there's actually happiness even in the midst of grief, because you're releasing that grief, you're expressing it, and there's freedom in that. Yeah. And that's what I was illustrating is... Yeah where blessed shows up. Yeah. You know, one of the, one of the passages and, and many people, even maybe those who aren't, you know, church attenders or have read the Bible will, will know of Jesus 
and the foot washing, uh-huh. right, where he washes his disciples' feet. Mm-hmm. Well, the interesting thing, when you go read the passage, he says, he does this to them, and he says, at the end, he goes, do you know why I've done this to you? And he says, I'm doing this to you as an example that if you know how to do this and you do it, you will be blessed. He's basically saying, if you know how to give yourself away like this in this fashion, you will find happiness. You will be happy. Yeah. And even in another place, you know, it is one of the prime indicators for those. And this is unfortunate because it's a little bit of an indictment on the church because Christians can be so grumpy mm-hmm. sometimes. That, you know, it's in John 15, I think verse 11, where he says, you know, gives us a structure and a frame for how to live life. And then at the end, he says, I've said these things to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be made full. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus's actual longing for us. Yeah. Is that we would experience this. Oh, but Ben, that's joy, not happiness. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's but a funny conversation. It is isn't a funny it? conversation, but I just think to separate those two words, I think they're two sides of the same coin, yeah. honestly. And I think that it's it's high time that even you know Christians stop separating those two. Yeah. And actually Christians begin to accept the fact that God wants us to be happy. I mean, look at beer, for example. <laughs> Didn't Ben Franklin say, you know, beer is proof that God loves us and it's wants us to be happy? It's to him. And I've seen it in many establishments. Okay, I'm not so, saying that I frequent those establishments, or, or, or maybe I am saying What if you do? So like a, a, a brat in one hand and a beer in the other is yeah. proof that God wants right. us to be happy. I mean, so I'm kind of joking, but I'm also not. Let me ask the question. This is the honest question. Do you think God's happy? So this is, so they're in... Let me try to handle this very quickly from, from my perspective, right? So when you go back into the ancient texts, like to Augustine, for example, all the ancient writers dealt with this topic. It was a part of their set of things that they dealt with an effort to write out their view of theology, mm-hmm. right? There was this view of the relationship of the Trinity. It's, it's often referred to as the beatific vision. It was a view of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in relationship with one another in perfect happiness and delight. And out of that, everything was created, Right, I think that's what we're dealing with. We're, we are dealing with a God who loves us and a, a, a happiness that's available to us that's born out of an amazing relationship that's formed in a very specific way. The way that it's showing up in the, in the church right now is historical. I mean, this, this has origins of the separation of the words, and we won't go into this necessarily, but there's a guy named Randy Alcorn who wrote a book on happiness, and I think it's in the fifth chapter. He deals with how the words got separated. So if you're like really interested in that, go pick that book up. We'll put it in show notes, and you can look at the history of how these things got separated. Mm-hmm. But I think for the sake of this discussion, especially for the time we have left, this topic matters to everyone. Mm-hmm. I have not, like you, met a person who doesn't want this. Even if their end is like some other countries, just survival, to survive and to somehow look for a life that is not riddled with poverty or difficulty is what they're longing for as a place of where they may find happiness. But for the sake of, you know, and this is not purely a Western conversation either. Many people would try to relegate this discussion to, oh, it's just, it's just Americans, right? Life, liberty, and right, pursuit, the pursuit of happiness. Right, the pursuit of happiness, yeah. yeah. Right. It's just our conversation. Right. This is a very ancient conversation. Yeah. And, and that's what I, I want our listeners to understand. You know, happiness is interesting because um, it affects other people. And I think one of the aspects we need to talk about, Ben, is that um, my happiness is not entirely myself. It doesn't just impact me. 
you know, and I, I can speak to this firsthand. So for me, hmm. um, when I'm grumpy and I've been told by my wife, I've been pretty grumpy the last couple of years. I'm, <laughs> I'm working on that. And, and, and I'm trying to find my, you know, my happiness, but in the midst of grumpiness, I, I have learned and, and come to appreciate that it really drags down others around me. It affects my environment. It not only affects me, it affects my family, it affects my friends, it affects my job. Sure. And so I think part of this happiness thing is to identify the fact that one of the reasons we should choose happiness to structure our lives around it mm. is because of how it affects others. Would you agree? Yeah. I, I would actually let, there's a, a, you know, kind of a syndicated talk show host named Dennis Prager. Some of you may know him for a long time. And I think he still does on his show. He has something called the happiness hour, but he wrote a book years ago called happiness is a serious problem. It's a very, very simple book short, but at the beginning he says, um, but happiness is far more than a personal concern. It's also a moral obligation. Mm -hmm. So see what he did there. Like, this is really interesting. Your happiness is not just personal to you. Although society, that's what we've made it. Right. Yours is yours. Mine is mine. Don't encroach upon it. Mm -hmm. But he's saying here, no, it's a moral obligation. And I think that moral obligation is rooted in if you're trying to make yourself happy and it's affecting somebody else. If what you do to achieve your happiness has a negative effect on somebody, we need to take that into account. So this is interesting. That old statement about you can do what you want when it makes you happy as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. The reality is if it does negatively drag down somebody else, then that's not right. Well, it doesn't hold water. Right. Right. Like it just does not work because it does. Everything you do does affect other people. Right. Your, your attitude affects others. It's great if you live in a world where you're by yourself. Right. But right? We're not. And there's no other and nobody else around you. Mm -hmm. You know, there's that you know, life would be great if it weren't for other people. Well, OK, if that was your situation, then great. Do whatever makes you happy. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that's not the world we have. That's right. So he actually goes on to say, upon a moment's reflection, this becomes obvious. We owe it to our husband or wife, our fellow workers, our children, our friends, Indeed, to everyone who comes into our lives to be as happy as we can be. This does not mean acting unreal, and it certainly does not mean refraining from honest and intimate expression of our feelings to those closest to us. But it does mean that we owe it to others to work on our happiness. So, so th let's get this straight. I think this is really worth talking about here with the remainder of our time. Yes. Prager says that it is our duty to be happy. Well, can you actually work on it? I think that is the, 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 like climax or pinnacle or center of this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I agree. Can you work on it? I, 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 can we be happy? I mean, that, that, that to me is fundamental. Is it possible to be happy? Yes, it is possible to be happy. And I agree, but I feel like he goes a little bit further and actually mm -hmm. a sense of, you have like a duty, you have a sense of a duty to your fellow man, to your wife, your, your, your husband, your kids, your community, your church, your friends, what, whatever to be happy for their sake. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm reading that and I'm feeling that because I know how my attitude affects my family. And honestly, they deserve my happiness. Yeah. They deserve for me to be happy. It affects right. them and puts a whole new spin on this, this nature of happiness mm -hmm. when I realize it's my moral duty. And I will go so far as to say this. Here's what I'm thinking. For our listeners, the growth junkies in our podcast who consider themselves to be Christians, you know, who, who are believers and followers of Jesus. Mm -hmm. I almost wonder if it's a higher level responsibility mm -hmm. because it's not just your duty as a human being, it's your duty as a Christian, part of your testimony. Because honestly, I would think this, if, if I'm just living my life and I meet a Christian and that Christian is grumpy and cynical and <laughs> sad all the time, I want to be like, I don't want your Christianity. 
Is that what this is? And I think Jesus would be like, really? I mean, come on, you can't do yeah. better than that. Didn't he even say like, people are going to judge you by how you treat one another. Wouldn't that be part of your happiness yeah. and how you purvey your attitude? So I feel like you have an obligation as a Jesus follower, if you're a Christian, not only to, to your fellow man, because it's your duty in this world, but secondly, because it's part of your testimony and reflection of Jesus, yeah. you need to be happy. What do you think about that? Well, it's unfortunate because you can't fake it. No. That's the hardest thing is like people try all the time, but it's very easy to see through. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, because of my faith, I, I wrestled with it a lot because it is one of the main indicators that Jesus gives that we follow him is that we have this level of, of substantial joy or happiness that exudes from our life. Mm -hmm. Even in the promise of John verse 10, uh, John chapter 10, verse 10, where he says mm -hmm. that I've come that they may have life in, in abundance into the fullest or a rich and satisfying life in, in a different translation. Like this concept of abundant or rich life actually means beyond what we expect or anticipate. Like Jesus is actually saying to us, I have something for you that is way beyond what you could ever even come up with in your mind. Mm -hmm. And to actually deal with that. So I look at it more than beyond a duty and obligation. I think we have to go beyond that as a great opportunity, like an amazing opportunity that we have to experience something that everybody's looking for, we have access to. If we would just figure out and understand the ways to talk about it. You know, and yes, I agree. I think here's the way I take it. And this is another way of looking at mm -hmm. it. I almost feel like on a psychological level, it's almost like choosing to be happy and then the happiness follows. Like I, I'm going to be happy today. Like I'm going to choose to be happy. And when I choose to be happy, I'm looking for happy things. I'm allowing happiness to come to me. And I feel like there is something about that. You set your mind and your eyes towards something. There's a better chance of it coming to you. So I almost feel like when, when I begin the day by saying it's my duty to be happy, it's not because I'm being legalistic and saying, I just have to be happy, right. but I'm not, <laughs> you know, I, I got to be happy, yeah. but I'm not, I'm going to fake it. No, I feel like there's some value. There's something there when we say, I'm going to choose happiness today and then happiness will find me. And I've even read like neuroscientific research about mm -hmm. this, how if you choose to smile, like you just choose to be warm and smile toward other people that day, that will actually make you happier. Mm -hmm. Not only them, it'll make you happier. Right. So it's almost like choosing the happiness, viewing it as a duty and responsibility. You lead with that and then the actual happiness follows. Yeah. And I think for the sake of this conversation to do it justice, to get really practical at this point, because you're, you're wading into that reality of, of what is happiness really. And I know that most people, when they hear this conversation or this topic, there's this internal wrestling or conflict. We almost can't break out of uh, an emotional understanding of happiness. Like we have relegated it so much to an emotional feeling that mm -hmm. we, we almost can't see something different. But what you're actually talking about is the ability to cultivate the happy life. Mm -hmm. And so because I've had this conversation a bunch recently, I wrote down what I call a happiness cheat sheet. Like people have accused me of being a happiness consultant, which I'm totally okay with that. It's title, a great title. You know, and if you need happiness consulting, I'd be happy to work with you, you know, but the, here's the things I wrote down first, when you're, when you're trying to cultivate and develop happiness, first is to understand that happiness is both formed and felt. I said that earlier. We have to ask ourselves the question like you do in the morning. What am I building here? You know, it's not I'm just chasing the phantom hoping he shows up. It's what am I actually building? That's right. And that there's a cultivation process, a development process, uh, an establishment process that has an experience tied to it. 
and we have to understand that. Second would be happiness is developed by doing some things and not doing other things. What are those things that you need to be doing that actually contribute to developing this substantial happiness in life, a state of being that you have these emotions tied to? The third would be happiness is directly related to your substance as a person. It's in your character. It's in who you are, the ability to be kind, the ability to be humble. That's why I think Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said the happy people are those who possess a specific type of virtue mm-hmm. quality set and can give themselves away to others. The fourth is happiness is a way of life, not a way of life, not a chasing of emotion. It's executing life in a very specific way. And the last was how we think about our happiness is critical. And that's exactly what we're talking about here. Right. We have to go past this identifying it as purely emotional and circumstantial and fleeting and look at it differently. We would all benefit from a, a more ancient and classical view of happiness if we really want to experience it in life. Mm-hmm. There's a great book by J.P. Moreland called The Lost Virtue of Happiness. He goes into this in great detail. We'll put it in the show notes. But to end, you know, emotions help us experience life, bringing color and depth to what we encounter. But they are not great judges of truth and reality, and we've talked about that in the past. We can't solely allow our happiness to be based on just how we feel, right? So if you feel like you're chasing a phantom, you're probably chasing an emotional high which is what our culture advocates. And so Growth Junkies, we hope this conversation has been beneficial to you today. We want to actually hear from you about this discussion. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of people who have something to say about this. Um, whatever you say is not going to offend us. you know. So whatever you would like to say, say it, because we want to deal with it. Um, this is a very, very important topic to all of us and, and near and dear to our hearts. So we thank you for being a part of the Growth Junkies podcast. If you want to learn more about Love and Transformation Institute, you can do that on loveandtransformation.org. And if you want to follow along with us as we go through the four dimensions of human health, you can pick it up on amazon.com. We look forward to being with you next time.